Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We now return to Meter and the Coach. Call the show at 401-737-1287. Southern New England Sports Original, 1037-WEI. Second and final hour of Meter and the Coach. Thanks for waking up with us on a Sunday morning. He's Tim Welsh. I'm John Mita Perel, Joe Passarelli, our producer, and Tim had the good fortune to work with Mike Monaco of ESPN, ACC Network. The guy is everywhere. I said the word ubiquitous, Tim. That's an Ithaca College 20-point word. That means some something that's everywhere, someone that's everywhere. That's Mike Monaco. You turn on your TV, you're going to see Mike Monaco. And he's also a Boston native. So, Mike Monaco, I have one question for you at 8.05 on a Sunday morning. How do you keep everything straight? You're in Duke one night. You're at the Chicago Bulls one night. You're at uh, an NHL arena one night. Does it get dizzy? Uh, yes, it does. And good to chat with you guys. John, I appreciate you saying that. I, too, probably have to look up what the word ubiquitous means. That wasn't a part of my education. Uh, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, yeah, it does get dizzying. And I bet I bet you can appreciate it as well. I mean, it's not dissimilar from – from some of the stuff you're up to and, and bouncing from, you know, radio to TV and, and that sort of thing, I think is sometimes even more confusing. Um, but I feel very fortunate to be involved in a lot of different sports. And, um, you know, that's the kind of kid I was growing up. And I, I bet you guys might be similar in that way. Like whatever sport was in season, I loved. So whatever sport I'm calling, I, I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's taught me, you know, bouncing between sports, it has taught me time management um, and to just really be intentional about whatever whatever sport you're dealing with right then, whatever event that you have to broadcast or whatever time you're allocating to prepare for that sport, be totally focused and locked in on whatever it is for, for that amount of time in front of you. And that's easier said than done for me, but I'm working at it because I think that is the, the recipe to doing it. No, it's good that you said that, Mike. That's a good formula as someone that uh, has dabbled in it, of course. Uh, it's difficult. It's not easy. People think it, if they think it, it's easy, then I guess you're doing your job because it sounds sounds like you know what you're doing. If it's not a jarring listen, a listen. Yeah. But the Red Sox experience for you, uh, backing up Dave O'Brien on Ness, and what, what has that been like and how have you uh, developed your baseball play-by-play? It's probably been the most um... – enjoyable or you know powerful prideful thing um that i've had the the good fortune of doing just because you know um as you said at the start john like i i'm a boston area kid who grew up in cohasset massachusetts and um you know dressed up as nomar for halloween one year and idolized dustin pedroia when i was very poorly playing baseball in high school um so you know to to then be able to a few times a year keeping the seat warm for for someone as great as Dave and someone who's been as good to me as Dave 
um, it's a real honor to, to sit in that seat. And I, I really do like it it's emotional every time I walk into Fenway because it is such a special place. And I'm in awe of it when I go to games as a fan still, just it's, it's a ballpark. Unlike, unlike the others, maybe with the exception of, of Wrigley field um, that obviously has some similarities to Fenway, but uh, it's been a really fun and obviously rewarding experience. And uh, it's been, it's been great too getting to work with a lot of different people on air. You know, my, my first game in 2019 was with, and uh, rest his soul, Jerry, and they were both, you know, so great to me. And then it's also been real, real neat to get to work with um, some of our newer analysts at Nesson and get to, you know, develop some good friendships with with a lot of the guys we have. And then the people behind the scenes too are, are great. Um, I mean, it's it's a real family over at Nesson. Mike, uh, thanks for joining us. But also, I received many texts in the last couple of days and said, uh, thank God you had a a real great play-by-play guy to carry you once again through our game Duke and Bucknell on Friday night but uh, no seriously it was it was enjoyable to work with you, you know, it's not easy and Meter knows this with 30 point blowouts and it didn't really feel like that because you know good flow of the game and good conversation but Mike you know when you travel around the country and do different sports you know interesting to hear like you know we had the Duke game Friday night then you had a Bulls game yesterday I mean your preparation time, how does that, how do you ba- try to balance that? Like, when you go back to your hotel at late night, you're tired, but then you got to think about a game the next day. You know, for a young broadcaster, you know, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I love the question, Tim. Um, and the feeling is absolutely mutual working together with you on Friday. Um, I, I love the question because it's kind of like the nuts and bolts, and you, you can hear you know, the best announcers in the world on TV, but you don't always know what their process is. You know, like we can flip on a game today and we can listen to Ian Eagle calling the NFL. And, you know, tonight we can listen to Mike Tirico and tomorrow we can listen to Joe Buck and you can hear what they do and the words they use, but you don't really know what their process is. Um, But I heard Joe Buck at some point in the last few years, back when he was still doing stuff at Fox. So he was doing, major league baseball in the postseason and the world series in October, but he was also doing the NFL. And he would say that he would like set, um, set like alarms or at least, you know, finite amounts of time, like these two hours today, I'm working on the world series. And then these next two hours I'm working on the NFL. And so that's kind of what I was alluding to early. That's what I've tried to do. Um, So like on a game day before our game on Friday, I couldn't, my brain is not high powered enough to devote any attention to a game the next day. Like I had to be all locked in on Duke and Bucknell. Um, But when the game ended, I actually did in my hotel room, watch the bulls because they played on Friday night. So they were playing after our game ended. And, you know, then last night I was calling their game and it's the second night of a back to back. So I wanted and needed to know what was happening Friday. Um, But normally I, I would, need to unwind after a game and certainly wouldn't go right to work. I would say probably the, the trick for me is working on airplanes. Um, try to get a, as much work as I can done on planes when, when I'm, I'm not spending time with, with loved ones uh, because I don't want to take away from as much time as that as I can uh, when I'm on the ground and when I'm at home. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And you know, also 
uh, going back to Meter's wheelhouse, the Red Sox. Give us your overview kind of, of what went wrong this year and what you think they need to do moving forward with the new organization head, uh, new president of baseball, and as far as their lineup goes, and just the overall structure of what their whole roster for next season. In no specific order, um, the pitching, it's just – it's got to be better, and we've seen it now for a few years um, where it hasn't been at the level that, that it was for, for some of their best recent teams. Um, I'll go back to that, but I'll also say the defense, uh, that's that's probably got to be a big focus as well, and I think that probably has to do with roster building um, more so than anything else. Like the way you shape a roster and how the pieces fit together and uh, versatility in certain spots. I think that's one thing that a lot of Red Sox fans would, would definitely like to see different. And then this is not to, to be an excuse maker for the team, the club, the coaching staff, you know, management, whoever. Um, but injuries did play a big part in the season as well. I mean, there's, there's no getting around that. Um, but then again, you're going to go through that probably in most seasons and different teams deal with that. All of them do to some extent, um, some obviously more than others. I think I would love to see the Red Sox go out and establish some frontline pitching with off-season acquisitions. It doesn't necessarily need to be the biggest name free agent signings, um, but it does it does need to improve the pitching staff. I I was able to call the the Rangers Rays uh, wild card series in the first round, and so I got to see the Rangers up close and personal and talk to Nate Evaldi, talk to Bruce Bochy, you know, at the start of their run. I think that's kind of what stood out to me. Not that every team's going to build it the way the Rangers have, um, but like we saw so much of it, you know, back home, guys watching Nate Aldi in his time with the Red Sox. Like the value in having him on your pitching staff and being able to give him the ball in a playoff game. But the same applies to 32 starts in the regular season. You just know what you're going to get. And then I think I'm not saying that they're going to sign this guy, but. Watching Jordan Montgomery pitch, and, and I saw him pitch, I did a game of his when he was with the Cardinals during the regular season, too, before the deal to Texas. That guy's just a horse, and he knows how to pitch. And it's not 99, uh, but it is really good pitchability. It's deception. It's a variety of pitches. It's a great sinker. It's a really good changeup. Um, so, you know, that, that really struck me, like watching playoff baseball. And I'd never called playoff baseball myself before, but knowing that you have those two guys to roll out there, um, I think there's got to be frontline pitching that the Red Sox acquire in some way. Mike Monaco of ESPN is our guest. I can't agree with you more, Mike, about your Red Sox take. Uh, and Tim, Tim knows I've been stuck on Shohei Otani, uh, and that's a pipe dream, uh, according to many. <laughs> Uh, but I want to shift back to the NHL. We talked about the Bruins before you came on, and I know you're, uh, you've are you been busy with NHL coverage for ESPN, not only from a broadcast standpoint, but from an on-ice standpoint. Number one, do you think the Bruins are a definitive Stanley Cup contender? Number two, what is your preparation like on that level, kind of working your way into the NHL ranks? Yeah, it's been so fun to be a part of that the last few years. I do think the Bruins are a legit contender. Um, I mean, the record says it all, right? I mean, they're, what, 13-1-2 or whatever they are. and um, I think it's it's open, you know, especially in the East, I would say. Um, you know, there's a glut of teams with, with 20 points plus. Um, 
and obviously a different team for the Bruins than, than last year's group. And we all know what happened last year, but um, I still really like them. And then, you know, in the West, it, it's interesting. Like Vegas came out like gangbusters and, you know, for all intents and purposes, they've continued that. I saw Edmonton about a week and a half ago and, and what's happened there is just kind of wild to comprehend. You think about having Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, um, but then you end up, you know, firing Jay Woodcroft. Um, that's a, a crazy turn of events. So I think the, the West is, is still pretty interesting. Colorado's great. They got off to a very good start as well. I think you can stack up, you know, their top three superstars with pretty much anyone in the sport, and that includes Edmonton. Um, so, yeah, I think the Bruins are legit. As for, you know, preparing for the NHL, I always say it's, it's no doubt the hardest sport that I broadcast. And in part, that's because I, I don't have as many reps doing it as I do, let's say, baseball or basketball, um, but also because it moves so fast. And, you know, like line changes are very different than substitutions in any of the other sports that I broadcast. So you got to know all 18 guys on both teams. So you're accountable for, for 36 players. And when you look down and see a Jersey number, you, you just have to know the name of the player. And it's not really like you have time to then look down at your notes, your, you know, your charts, your boards, whatever as each announcer calls it. You don't have time to look down once you see the Jersey numbers. So I actually, uh, John spend more time than any other sport trying to memorize and watch film and memorize, you know, and familiarize myself with the jersey numbers and names than anything else. Like, I actually make flashcards, uh, you know, with names and numbers, and then I try to make them in the color of the jersey the team's going to be wearing because I need as much help as I can get trying to keep all these names and numbers straight. Um, and you're sitting, you know, pretty high up oftentimes. Yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. it's, it's a long way down there to watch what's happening on the ice. See, they always told you flashcards would come in handy in eighth grade, Mike. <laughs> and, and who thought as a 30-year-old that I'd be, you know, uh, doing flashcards with myself on airplanes? See? I mean, it all, it all comes around. I mean, you, you, who knew that you, as a freshman at Notre Dame, you're a Notre Dame guy. Let's not bury the lead here. The Irish with a, with a win yesterday, Sam Hartman uh, came back to throttle Wake Forest. But when you look at that Notre Dame program and where that – program is headed under uh, Freeman are you happy as a uh, Notre Dame grab where they're going or are they still uh, kind of in that murky middle you know I, I think uh, the arrow I would still say it's pointing up and I think Marcus Freeman was a great hire um, I, I do think they have legitimate questions that they're going to face now this offseason about what happens with the offense you know where do you go offensively in terms of coaching i mean you know do they run it back with jared parker the offensive coordinator um you know they made the internal promotion with him from tight ends coach to offensive coordinator um they you know there were some well-publicized attempts that they had made you know maybe looking into other guys at offensive coordinator before that so do they go back and and go another year with parker and then what did they do at quarterback i think marcus freeman has already come out and said that they are going to look to add at quarterback from the portal which is obviously what they did with Hartman. Um, and it's kind of the way it's going for everyone. But certainly, their name's kind of in that mode where that seems to be where they're going back to each year. Um, yep. So I, I think they have legitimate questions of, of kind of where they go and who they want to become offensively. 
Um, but certainly, you know, Marcus Freeman, there's a lot to like about his first two years, and there's also a lot of room to grow. Mike, uh, did the Bulls game last night, uh, follow the Celtics, I'm sure. Uh, what do you see with the Celtics so far, their new lineup, their new additions, and uh, do you think they're the favorite? Do you think they're built to last as far as going to the finals and winning the NBA championship? Uh, I think, you know, as, as good as they ever have been in terms of being built that way. Um, they're certainly one of the favorites. I mean, that they, they're high-end talent. And you got to love it as, as much or more as anyone's uh, around the league. And, you know, it, it's still going to be a matter of getting it done in the postseason. But, yeah, I mean, how can you not like kind of what they've done so far and the way Porzingis has settled in getting about, what, 20 a game and, um, you know, white as a as a starter and the holiday edition i mean that was really exciting obviously when when that trade went down and um i really i really like where they're at and you know seeing them against the sixers the other day kind of a, a fun way to see them stack up against you know another one of the heavyweights not just in the conference but in the entire league um i think they're in a great spot and i think things have meshed you know seemingly pretty well so far with the, the new additions so you uh, follow college basketball, obviously do, do a lot of college basketball, a lot of ACC, but what is what have you seen so far on the national uh, landscape? Obviously, Providence has got a pretty good team. Uh, Boston College looks like they're improved. Uh, you've seen Duke. You've seen Michigan State. You've seen Arizona. You've seen a lot of these teams early. You know, What's your overall take of college basketball so far? I think it's in a really healthy spot. Um, there's a lot of great programs, a lot of great teams. Uh, you know, I love watching the Champions Classic. I know you said the same, Tim. Like, you love that event. Um, we're watching it in, in preparation for having Duke on Friday. Hunter Dickinson at Kansas. I mean, the Kansas is an old team. Like, looking at their roster and watching them play. Um, I'm a big fan of Matt Painter. Like, you know, bringing back Zach Eady and all the pieces that they have. And they had the young guards last year. Arizona looks the part. I mean, they went into Cameron. Tim, you said it. Uh, you said it when we were chatting with John Shire. Like, you could see it in their eyes, the belief that they had. Um, and what a job Tommy Lloyd's done so far. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. Duke, you know, preseason number two, they're ranked ninth right now, challenging themselves um, with those early games. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun year. And I think the sport's kind of in a, a healthy spot. I mean, there's obviously been so much change in the college game and, and college sports in general the last few years. Um, but maybe we're kind of stabilizing a bit with the new norm and, um, yeah, you're seeing guys pop up on different rosters when you, you check in at the start of the season more than you ever had. But um, it's it's really exciting. I love, love college basketball. Mike, uh, what's up next for you on your docket? Do you even know? I mean, uh, again, the dizzying schedule. <laughs> what, what, what day is today, Mike? I believe today is Sunday. And if I have my own yes. schedule correct, my next game is Friday. And uh, that means another trip to Duke. It'll be three games in three weeks at Cameron, which I will never wow. complain about if our bosses are listening, John. Uh, it's really fun going there. And, uh, yeah, so I'll be back back at Cameron on Friday. I think Duke is playing Southern Indiana. And, no, I have not prepared at all about Southern Indiana and probably won't for a few days. 
Well, Mike's young, though, Meter. He's only 30. He gets up to the crow's nest a lot easier than some of some of us. Uh, not an easy trek, trek up to the top of the building at Cameron, but no, we won't complain. It's, it's a great atmosphere. It's precarious up there, Mike, especially, you know, did you, did you hold Tim's hand getting up there? You know, he didn't need it. He's selling himself short. He's sandbagging us. He was he was flying up there. <laughs> uh, yes. What is your favorite venue outside of Fenway? Uh, uh, or maybe outside of Cameron, I guess. Do you have a top five that you look at and say, or is there a bucket list for Mike Monaco to broadcast games? You know, I haven't fully formed it yet, but there is a lot of places I would still love to go. Um, Wrigley Field was one I did this summer with the Red Sox, and I'd been there as a fan. I had not been there to call a game. That was incredible. Um, to feel Wrigley on a Friday night game, which they have not had a lot of those in their history, um, and with the Red Sox in town, that was a real special atmosphere, and that certainly made the list. Yeah, Wrigley's awesome. No, no doubt about that. Mike, Mike Monica, you're awesome as well. We re, we appreciate it. Not bad for a kid from Cohasset. You going to the Cohasset Thanksgiving game? Uh, you know, I, I haven't decided yet. I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to make it to that. I usually love going. Uh, big ones against Hull is always the case. But, um, yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for the invite. It's uh, It was great chatting with you. Thanks, That's Mike. Like the sit. That's the Sailors' Cup, Mike. The Hulk Cohasset game. But thank you, thank you, Mike. It, it's a big one. All right, guys. It, be well. You got to take care, Mike Monaco from ESPN. We appreciate him getting up with us. Tim, I'll tell you what. You know, it's like uh, he's the he's Sean McDonough. He's Sean McDonough. You know, Sean McDonough thirty years ago when Sean started. Uh, he's done outstanding work, and I really admire the fact that he can do so many things. And I say to people all the time, I say to my students at BC all the time, versatility is such a huge bonus in the business. You name it. Well, he's, he's great to work with. He really, but you know, obviously it's a high bar set working with guys like you and Sean McDonough, but uh, Mike, Mike is a rising star. There's no doubt about it. And uh, great to have him on this morning because he's the wealth of uh, knowledge. You know, obviously he's, you know, stress it out. He just gets ready for the next event. He's, and he's good at all of it. He is, and that's saying a lot. Is it is as he mentioned, it's a, it's a balance, and like, you know, just getting back to your hotel room at midnight and then diving into Chicago Bulls research after working Duke Bucknell, and you know, it's it's hard to keep it all. It's not brain surgery, and he'll he's the first to admit that, and as am I, as are you. But you know, it's still it's still a lot to keep keep track of, and it's still a lot to balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how you guys do it, but uh, that's, uh, you know, we just do college basketball. That's hard enough, but uh, he, he, make, he makes a good point though. College basketball is in a great spot. I think that, you know, the one thing, and we were talking to the coach uh, Duke John Shire about this, just the, the early season games are terrific. You know, just that Kansas state Providence game the other night was just, you know, back and forth, high intensity. You yep. see all these are and today you got UConn and Indiana, uh, this afternoon and tonight, Providence plays Georgia and you know, URI's playing Northwestern. I mean, there's a lot more interest early. And I think you you had said it before, maybe college basketball, people said it shouldn't start till after the holidays. Uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, just keep it going. Keep it going. Just build the interest. Uh, there's enough there's enough stations now where you, these games are now all on television. And where before, maybe you, you didn't get to watch as much early. But now... It's, uh, you know, John Shire said, it. he said, you know, we want to see how good we are. 
you know, we, we played Arizona. It's just a home and home matchup in early November. That's really unheard of. And then the next game, you got to go play Michigan State. So I think that's really helped the sport grow the interest before the holidays. And while you're still battling the NFL and you're battling college football, you still have your good piece of the pie out there with these good early season matchups. Yeah, no, there's every night there's something to watch. I noticed that UConn game today and, you know, up against the Goliath of the NFL, the NFL is uh, is uh, is a little bit backsliding, as you mentioned earlier. And we're gonna, I want to get into that coming up, something written today in the Boston Globe by your good friend Ben Volan about the state of the National Football League. This is Meter and the Coach, 401-777-1037. Joe Passarelli, you're up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 